From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. Oh, okay. This is the deeper dig. All right, here, I'm going to start from the top. Are you the only legislator with a nose ring? No, I'm not. There's a group of us with nose rings. Um, but actually, Maxine Grad, when I was on the Vermont Commission on Women, I went to her committee, and I was sitting in it as just a, a witness to the committee, and I realized she had a nose ring. And I had taken out my nose ring before the committee meeting because I didn't think it was a good idea to have a nose ring in. So when the chair of the committee... As a nose ring, um, I knew that I uh, could wear one today. <laughs> I actually told her that. I saw her the other day, and I was like, I want you to know. You're the reason I felt comfortable having my nose ring in. What'd she say? She, she was, I think she was a little surprised, <laughs> but <laughs> she took it really well. <laughs> Becca White just got sworn in to represent Hartford in the Vermont House. And while she's not the only legislator with a nose piercing, it does send a signal that she's one of the younger members of the chamber. Becca is starting her term at 24 years old. Consider this. In 2017, the top towns for millennial home buyers were not New York City, Boston, or San Francisco. They were Williston, North Dakota, Athens, Ohio, and Aberdeen, South Dakota. This is Governor Phil Scott during his second inaugural address on Thursday. Millennials appear willing to put affordability and quality of life over the conveniences and attractions of our biggest cities when buying a home. I believe Vermont can offer what they're looking for. And in many instances, we already do. It was very interesting to hear uh, Phil Scott's speech because he was talking a lot about millennials, and I'm looking around the room, and there's a handful of us who actually sit in the chairs <laughs> uh, for the House or for the Senate who fit the demographic of people he's trying to reach. Um, so I think that's very important to actually have people who fit the demographic you're trying to get into the state um, making policy rather than what I hate to see. My like my biggest pet peeve is when folks who are either older um, or even substantially older, um, who try to explain why millennials do X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with why I anecdotally know my friends do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> what do you feel like they're missing? Like, what do you feel like they don't understand about the experience that, that people your age are having? Oh, I think they don't get that we're not a monolith. Like, we're not one big body. Um, my husband is 14 years older than me, and we are the bookends of the millennial generation. I'm 24, he's 38. So we have vastly different life experiences, but we're just kind of clumped in this same kind of, you must like this, and social media is a bad thing. <laughs> So I wish that um, when we made policy, we really thought about not a single group of people as an age group all being the same, but that there's unique things about each, um, each group of millennial, how, how they impact their community. And now this is the part that you've all been waiting for. Uh, will you please rise to receive the oath of office from the clerk of the house? Forty new members of the House were seated this week, more freshman legislators than Vermont has seen in decades. Four of them, including Becca, are under 25. And they're not a monolith either. In fact, two of them are Republicans, but they all feel like their perspective hasn't always been heard. We talk more, we want people to be more inclusive, you know, uh, the thing you always hear about as well is all full of old white men. and. You know, frankly, you look around, in a lot of cases, that's true. On my, in my uh, hometown, I've been asked to be on the development board, and 
There's about an age difference between me and the next youngest person of about uh, 50 years. This is Patrick Seymour. He represents Lyndon, Sutton, and Burke up in the Northeast Kingdom. And even though he ran as a Democrat in 2016, he's serving now as a Republican. Frankly, I shouldn't call myself a farmer. I work on the family farm some, you know. The person who sits to my right is Rodney uh, Graham, who is a full-time dairy farmer. And I wouldn't want to compare us in any way because I certainly don't do nearly as much work as he does. What does your family's farm do? We're also a dairy farm. It's just that during the session, I won't be doing any milking. Uh, or, or any sort of work. If they really need me, I'll be able to fill in for a milking or something like that. But I'm not regularly doing anything. I'll pick up more work after the session ends uh, and return to that work. You said everybody's always saying that they want to get more young people involved in government. From your perspective, why do you think that is? Well, I think a lot of it is that they are underrepresented. My experience with uh, young folks is that they, they are not all uh, this uh, this progressive vision that you see on TV. You know, uh, one of the things that I always hate to hear is the, the term millennial used disparagingly, as it so often is, because there are all kinds of young folk that are all different in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and to, to say, to group us all together is foolish, because, you know, I'm a fiscally conservative Republican. I don't identify with uh, a lot of the people you see on the news, but I don't think most people identify with them. I think it's taking a, a small section of the people and saying, well, this is what they all think. Um, you know, so I want to see more young people because right now I feel that only one voice of the young, uh, younger community is actually being expressed. And, you know, there are many young people who are libertarian, Many of them are progressive. Many of them are Republicans, Democrat. They're all manner of folk. And the more of them there are, the more representative of, uh, of the country in general. It really brings a perspective of what the Vermont I grew up in and the Vermont I'm living in is like without perhaps the color of what Vermont used to be. This is Felicia Leffler. Felicia represents Enosburg and Montgomery up in Franklin County. She's the second youngest member of the legislature. The Vermont I grew up in is still the very much same front that we're dealing with. So I'm looking for ways to improve upon that for my generation and my siblings, the youngest being 10. What is she going to come up into and what can we do to make it better? So tell me about what was it about 2018 that made you say now's the time now, you know, this is the office. I'm going to run for house. What was that? A big leap of faith. <laughs> I was really looking initially to help whoever was going to run and I'll manage their campaign and, and see what I could do and focus on the issues, opioid epidemic being at the top of that list for me. And the more I dug into the issues and who could possibly run for this uh, back in my home district, there just there really wasn't a forthcoming of candidates and people that either had the time or were interested in serving. And the more I kept pushing at it, a lot of people started asking, if you're so interested in it, do it yourself. Just, do you want to run? Is this something you can do? And that's big leap of faith comes in. Because um, I talked quite a bit with my, with my family and my friends and 
running for office was always that kind of pipe dream of maybe eventually someday. And to see the opportunity and knowing the issues and being so passionate about Vermont, it kind of became the right opportunity at the right time to run. I've had my eye on doing this for a few years now. I think the the most difficult time to be a representative, I think, is actually a little older than I am as people kind of dive deeper into careers and start families. And I think that's a voice that's really lacking. And you see that in issues like a lack of focus on childcare as a central issue. And I think it's because childcare is such a big issue that people with small children really don't have even the possibility of being in the legislature. Lucy um, Rogers so represents Waterville and Cambridge in Lamoille County. Her campaign last year made national news after she and her opponent, Zach Mayo, played a duet after a live debate. Democrat and Republican united in perfect harmony. There weren't enough tissues to go around. Typically overlooked was the fact that Lucy would also bring the perspective of one of the youngest people to serve in the chamber. So I went to Waterville Elementary School, which is a public school with about 12 kids in each grade. And then I went to Lamoille Union High School, so a union high school. And then I traveled for a bit. I took some time off before college. Um, Then I started off at Harvard and I transferred to UVM for the end of college. So I've always been kind of around Vermont or at least seen Vermont as a home and really wanted to return to the district I grew up in. And I've seen many of my friends from elementary school and high school are no longer in our district. So I actually think it's a particularly important voice to have of being someone who is figuring out how to make my life as an early 20s person in rural Vermont and kind of really living every day both the amazing experience of that and also some of the challenges with finding employment that I feel like is a stepping stone to further employment. I have a great community but it definitely of younger people but it definitely is different than the community I had before many of the people I grew up with moved out of the state. So I think it actually is a really important voice to have. I think job opportunity is a real issue for a lot of Vermonters and that just based on our industry and some of our policies towards business, we are not as opportunistic as we could be. And that in many ways hurts the young population that does leave for jobs out of state. I know I was one of those for a time, so that's something I bring with me as well. Do you feel like there are aspects of that that the older members of the legislature or even older members of the public might not quite understand the same way as you? I think it's not about understanding, but it's more about prevalence. Being in the workforce as a realtor, I sometimes have more of an understanding of, all right, I have to pay rent and bills and utilities, and I'm just getting started, and I have my student loans as well. And looking at those expenses at my career and at my service here, there's more of an interconnection than perhaps somebody who's retired who has had more time to manage those liabilities. Um, and it, there, there's just a difference in perspective. Somebody who's in the workforce and somebody who's retired from the workforce, and we need them both. But that certainly shapes kind of the policy I'm looking at and the perspective that I hope to be able to bring to the conversation. At least on paper, I think there is quite a bit of awareness about trends of young people leaving the state and the difficulty of being my age in a rural area. I think the perspective that sometimes gets lost is 
I've so recently gone through the public education system in Vermont, and I think it's really different to have a from the inside look on public education versus from the outside looking in. Many of the members here went to public school in Vermont a very long time ago or went to public school out of Vermont and then moved into Vermont, so I think it's kind of important to make sure that we're having voices from people who have recently gone through this exact system. I've heard over and over again the idea that small schools don't prepare you for college and don't prepare you for careers and that children who go to small schools, usually speaking elementary schools, are um, missing opportunities. And I've never had that experience of speaking to someone who went to a small school and felt like they missed opportunities. And in fact, I think particularly in towns with higher poverty rates, which many of the small schools are, it can actually be a really great opportunity for someone who may not have the most stable home environment to have adults who know them personally and who really provide them with kind of a rich and safe place to go each day. So I think that's just one example where I feel like having recently gone through that system gives me a little bit of a different perspective on what's going on in small schools. I mean, I grew up in a low-income family, so I come from the group of people that are typically the most vulnerable um, of the educated population. So when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, it was the free food pro or free lunch program. Um, I was a person who VSAC had special meetings about, you know, it's, <laughs> so I definitely come from that perspective of what actually was a benefit to me during that time and what didn't, what programs I felt were a complete waste. Um, so I can come from that personal experience. It is growing up in a different time. Unfortunately, you know, when you're set in your ways and, and s simple things too. I mean, you see people who say things like, well, did you know that most uh, people have a TV at home? Well, they can't all be poor then, can they? But a TV costs significantly less to someone like me than it did to uh, a lot of these people in the building. When they were a kid, a TV was a real luxury. And nowadays, I mean, you can, people giving away for free on the street. Uh, so it's it's little things like that that make the difference. It's also, I mean, the, the cost of living has increased tremendously since, uh, since a lot of these folks were younger. And opportunities have changed, you know. I mean, I don't think there's anyone from this age, but, you know, the day when you could come in at four on the factory floor and rise to own in the building, you know, it's just the idea of going into a, a small business and rising up through the ranks is not as accessible as it was when a lot of these uh, folks were my age. You know, obviously there is the initial visceral thing, you know, a lot of these people are my grandparents' age. But, you know, I found that if you prove yourself as a serious legislator, you are regarded as a serious legislator. Um, but I think, you know, it, it, it probably is harder um, than it would be as if I was 40. Ben Jickling is 24, but he's already sort of an elder statesman in Vermont's youth caucus. Ben just started his second term representing the Randolph area, alongside Jay Hooper, who's 25. There's definitely differences in generations. 
We value different things. We're looking for different things as we consider where we want to live. How do we want to work? What type of environment we want to have? Um, you know, I think the most pressing and you know the most obvious answer is high-speed internet. You know, even as I go across the district, even as I talk to legislators um, and older people in general, they don't realize how important access to high-speed internet, good cell phone coverage is. If you talk to any young person my age, um, it's a no-brainer. It's a necessity, and we're not doing enough in that area. So issues like that, I think, prove how it, it helps to have younger people at the table um, actively making policy. Um, you know, much of our job here is not spent making Vermont for the next year. It's making Vermont in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. We're, we'll st- still be around and hopefully still living in Vermont. I asked Ben what advice he's giving to the incoming young legislators. Listen, you know, keep your head down, really focus on the policy of it. Um, that's where you're going to most make the most impact is in committee. Um, you know, people respect all legislators, which I really appreciate about this building. The culture is one of collaboration. But, you know, what I found to be most successful is really buttoning down, looking at policy um, and, you know, not being afraid to really dive into uh, committee discussions. The, the big advice that I've gotten from just the last few days and over uh, the period of time between orientation and now um, was that you have two ears and you have one mouth. (laughs) And that's kind of my go-to quote now, (laughs) which is I need to do a lot more listening. Yeah, just building up a base of allies and people who trust my judgment, um, trying to speak less, but build those relationships and that trust. So when I do start to put things out there, bills out there, or I support certain legislation that that's, that has weight to it. And it's not just a signature or me initialing a piece of paper. It actually says, oh, she supports that. This is important. I too, am going to support it. My immediate first priority right now is just to listen and learn as much as I can. I have some pretty strong policy goals, but I also am not coming in with the idea that they all need to be accomplished in the first week. And so I think probably the way I can be the strongest politician would be to spend as much time as I can making sure that I'm speaking from an informed place. I think the biggest use of my time here is two eyes, two ears, one mouth. Advocacy is certainly a very important part of being a representative, but advocating for the right things at the right time will be crucial to making my voice heard among the, among the 149 others that are out there. So it's, it's looking at the issues and relaying them back to my district and seeing what they're mo- most passionate about and how I can best use the time and space that I'm given. As the youngest member of this session, I, I'm sure I've, I've already received the, the nickname the baby of the house from someone, which I am hoping that'll all go away. Do you worry about that, the, the kind of perception that people might not take you seriously because you're the youngest member here? You know, is that something you've, you've encountered? Uh, if people aren't going to take me seriously because I'm the youngest, there are some folks I don't feel need to be taken seriously because they're the oldest, if that makes sense. I don't think anyone's going to treat me too badly, and as long as I present myself well, I should be listened to in this house.
You can learn more about Vermont's freshman lawmakers and read all of our updates from the opening week of the 2019 legislative session at vtdigger.org. We're going to be all over the State House for the next few months. If you want to stay up to date on our coverage this year, be sure to sign up for our daily email newsletter. You can find it right on our homepage. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at VTDigger. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast and get new episodes as soon as they land. Just search for The Deeper Dig wherever you listen to podcasts and look out for new episodes every Friday. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.